Podcast with your hosts, Dr. John Paul and Kevin Allred. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Learnt. I am Dr. John Paul with my friend, Kevin. Hey, boo, how are you? Hey, hey, hey. I'm good. I'm here. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. We are back yes. for another episode where we are going to unpack the mess uh, of of life and how uh, crazy things have been in the last couple of weeks. But um, to say the least, how are, how are you doing? Like, how's everything been going? I know you have a whole bunch of cool announcements. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've just been working on book stuff. Um, it's finally coming together. And mm-hmm. they'll, I'll be able to get a pre-order link soon. Um I guess I don't even know if I've announced. Have I announced anything about the book on here before? No, you've remember. just been saying you've been under edits, but you haven't told us anything about it. So tell the world, girl. Okay, let them know. Okay, okay, everybody. So the book is coming out in June, um, which still seems like a while, but it will be here soon, I hope, um, if the world doesn't explode first. <laughs> Uh, just just wait until the book comes out. If, if we can just hold off till then, I've been working so long on it. Please let me get it out. Um, right. Uh, so it's coming out June eleventh, and it is called "Ain't I a Diva?" Beyonce and the Power of Pop Culture Pedagogy. Yeah. Um, so it's all based on my politicizing Beyonce class. Hopefully, it it gives you. It gives little snippets of like classroom stuff too, but it's mostly like if you never took the class, you'll feel like you've taken it after you read this book. Um, it's coming out with the Feminist Press, um, and I'll be able to go live with a pre-order link in just a few weeks, I think, mid-November. So um, keep an eye on that. I'll announce it on Twitter and next episode whenever I can. Um, but it's exciting. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. And for those of you who don't know, um, I, I just, I'm going to take a moment to be very sappy. Um, Uh, very, very proud of you for, um, just how you've recovered in the last couple of months, years. Um, we've been doing this for almost, well, the thought of this started, we're what, we're almost what a month in um, about in about a month or two. Um, it'll be a year of us working together and dreaming this, not only this podcast up, but, um, just really kind of holding each other in the last year. And so I wanted to take a moment from, you know, me to you to say, I'm just extremely proud of you and very excited for what is going to come. Um, we're going to make it a bestseller. If that's the one thing I have to do with (laughs) my platform is to make sure that you get on the bestsellers (laughs) list, the New York yeah. My plan was to just like start a GoFundMe campaign to raise enough money to buy as many books myself as I make, <laughs> make myself a bestseller. Because oh you my know, gosh. you know, like rich kids with rich parents that mm-hmm. write a book, their parents can just buy like five thousand copies. <laughs> yeah, and it makes it a bestseller. They're automatically a bestseller. But yeah. no, we'll yeah. we'll no. make it. We'll get it. We'll get it on there. We will canvas and we will organize to make door sure to that that. But yes, I will go door to door and say, "Have you purchased?" <laughs> This book, I'll be selling it like a Jehovah's Witness, like the Bible. I seriously will be knocking on door to door, being like, "Have you, have you read this book about the greatness of our of our Lord and Savior Beyonce?" Beyonce, yeah, yes. <laughs> so, you'll be what is it like? What who's what's the Scientologist man? Um, oh, um, L- Laron Hubbard. 
L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you'll be the you'll be that version. But yes, again, oh, I don't know really... if I want to be him, but Oh gosh, no girl. <laughs> that is a hole you don't want to go down. I know, right? Um, but I'm so proud of you and again I'm <laughs> very, you. very excited. Um so with that being said, I guess we can kind of jump into this week's uh this week's topic and me and Kevin were very, very uh intentional this week about not really wanting to touch too much of politics because we do recognize it's a lot. So we are going to talk about the ups and downs of getting older. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just laugh about it because it's so real. Um, Uh, Well, it's because I, I still don't think of myself as older, but like where, how we came to this was kind of, there are small things creeping into Mm -hmm. (laughs) my life or just, life in general where I'm like oh I guess I am Mm -hmm. disconnected from that thing the young people are doing yeah um we're not old we're like 30s in our 30s yeah (laughs) which is still the prime of our lives maybe I don't know (laughs) Yeah, but I think that that's really when it starts to hit you. Like, oh, so, okay. So giving you all a little bit of context, right? Like I remember being, when I was younger, I remember my mom telling me that she was like in her thirties and there were little things that my mom would say or my mom would do that I would always be like, huh? Like it didn't, it didn't hit me that my mom was still young, but right. it also was hitting me that my mom was getting older. Yeah. Um, And so it was like, you know, the, so the, the idea of like noise, right? Like noise levels. I know for myself, like I used to be that girl that loved loud music um it would loud music in my headphones loud music in my car loud music in my home music had to be loud coming up and now as a 33 year old i'm like who the hell got that music up so loud turn that shit down (laughs) see that one hasn't hit me yet i still love loud music oh god Um, i can't I look around like, turn that shit down, it's loud. Like, it's literally me. And I'm going, oh my God, that's me getting old. Because I could hear my mom saying that to me when I was younger. Like, when I would have my music blasting. And, you know, and, and side note, just to make you feel a little bit older, I was telling you this before we got on. 20 years ago, Baby One More Time premiered today. So I'm just letting you know that. So, Brittany... The album or the single or both? They both come out at the same time. See, I think they did. I think it was like a premiere situation. I do remember her being on TRL. That's how old we are. We are dating ourselves so much. I remember <laughs> it premiering on TRL and everybody being so goddamn excited. So yeah, when music when music premiered on MTV oh, God, and yeah. when MTV played music. Can we um, talk about that real quickly? Like oh, talking sure. about getting older, making the videos. Uh, did you ever do? Did you ever oh, watch yeah. making the video? Where they did the making the video, like half hour special making the video. Yeah. Um, there were so many good. Do you remember pop up video? I like. Oh my that god, one. pop up video! Yeah. Where they showed you little. Fa- yes. Everyone listening is like, oh my god, what are these grandpas talking about <laughs> or something? <laughs> like what? <laughs> um. They showed you the little, like, trivia as you watched the video. That one was fun. Um, Oh, my gosh. Making the video was really cool. Yeah. But it needed, like, you wouldn't really, I guess, work today because there's not as many large-scale music videos being made. No. Um, A lot of them are being made on, like, on a shoestring budget. Right. Because, I mean, because think about it. Like, okay, so random tangent. But if we go into, like... I think they did a making the video for Busta Rhymes video with Janet Jackson and just thinking about how elaborate that video was. Like 
the, the what is it called? Uh, What's it gonna be? And do you remember hype? You know, hype Williams directed it. It was this big elaborate like there like it, everything was so elaborate about that video. And so I think it was like a million dollar video oh. that they had made. And so the videos like that, I do remember them making yeah. um the making the videos for like all the in sync videos and how much money and all the different scenes. So yeah. it's just yeah, they spent a lot of money back in the day on videos. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, and it was, I mean, and it was part of the, and they, like, premiered the music video, too. I guess, I guess they kind of do that now, but Mm -hmm. it's, like, dropped with the single, and it used to be separate events when you had, you heard the single, and then you got to, like, wait for the music video primetime debut at whatever time. Yeah. The MTV But do you even remember... Michael Jackson was notorious for that. So talking yeah. about getting older, you'd be in the middle of a television show and the television show would stop <laughs> and they would say, now for the world premiere of Michael Jackson's video or whatever. Like I remember, I don't I don't even remember what I was watching, but I remember when uh, Keep It In The Closet premiered and that would premiere mm. on Fox. And then I remember them doing the same thing for the Remember The Time remember video. The like time. It was I remember a that one. Big deal yeah. for any artist. So, oh my God, talking about getting older, like that would never happen in my opinion. Like they would never stop a network television show to premiere someone's video today, unless it's like Beyonce. But I highly doubt that anybody else has that that caliber. Right. I think they've done, but it's always like at an award show mm-hmm. where they'll be like, and now... Taylor Swift's new video, I feel like she did one at an award show. But yeah, it was like, it wasn't even related to the music. It was just mm-hmm. like, okay, now we're stopping your regularly scheduled programming yeah. for Michael Jackson. Um, yeah. Do you remember when they used to only play... I remember when they... Now maybe this is... I'm a little bit older, but when Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back video, which today is like the tamest video. Right. But it was so raunchy back then that mm-hmm. it w- could only be played after like 10 o'clock on M- yep. at 10 p.m. on MTV. Yeah. <laughs> now- well, they would do the same thing. They did the same thing to Madonna too. Like there right. were videos that Madonna released. I think when she released um, what's that one song? Um, it was off of her Bedtime Stories uh, album. The one about um, with the whips and chains, the I'm Not Sorry video. Oh, I remember yeah. the same thing for her with that video. They wouldn't play it after, they wouldn't play it before 10 o'clock. Not only because of the B word being in the song, but also because of the whips and the chains and all of that. So Yeah, and those things yeah. are like so... Considering. Conservative and tame now, it <laughs> seems. Yeah, it's, yeah, far. Now, talking about getting older, I was I was telling you earlier today that someone had made a comment about burning CDs on social media and I know that that for me is like one of the things that I'm still trying to kind of come, come to terms with. I remember like, okay, so case in point, take let's take us back to 2003 when uh, Beyonce announced that she was going solo. And for me, everyone was excited that Beyonce was going solo, but I just remember the feeling and this, I don't know if you can recall this because I know you, did you, you grew up, well, you didn't grow up in New York, did you? Oh, no, I grew up no? in okay. Utah. Utah. Okay. But I don't know if you did this in Utah, but I know here in California, one of the big deals was um, we had like Sam Goodies and we had uh, Virgin and we had yeah. all these different places. And so I remember, and again, this is totally me being a teenager, but I remember taking the bus 
I, I woke up early in the morning. I caught the like very first bus to get to uh, uh, um, one of our main um, malls here in, in the area where I live. And I remember standing outside of the Virgin Megastore <laughs> in a long line to buy Beyonce's album, like her very first album. And I just remember doing that for so many people, like when singles would drop or when albums would drop. I remember being so excited about being able to stand in front of a record store to actually go get it. And so now we live in a generation where CDs don't even mean anything to people, but CDs were so important to me growing up. Did you feel the same way? Oh yeah. Like having the actual, the little booklet, you you know, I would go sit in my room, shut the door, like sit down with the boom box on the floor, like take out the booklet and read through as I'm listening to the CD. Yeah. It was like the tangible aspect of holding it in your hand. I guess some kind of like, some people do a retro version, you know, vinyl still today, or, I mean, you can still buy CDs, but um, it doesn't seem like it holds the same impact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Or like, it's a very nostalgic thing. I'll still buy a CD. Like if it's a Beyonce album comes out, I'll still buy it on CD because it's, I don't buy every artist or album that I like, Mm -hmm. but if there's one I really uh, like, I'll buy it on CD just to have that like little, it's like having books on your bookshelf. I don't know. I like having CDs um, for the reminder, the nostalgia. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I would go to, I would do the same. We'd go to, there was never as big of a line, probably. (laughs) I was like the the kid going to buy the, you know, new like Mary J. Blige album. (laughs) And it it wasn't a big deal in Utah because like most people there weren't listening to Mary J. Blige. And I was like, I need this new album, you know, like da 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 da. And my mom would have to drive me to the store because I couldn't drive. Um, And we didn't have like, buses and things like that Mm -hmm. um so i'd have to get a ride to the store buy the cd i remember actually even up through high school like if an album came out we would like skip class and go to the record store and get get it and listen to it while we were supposed to be in school so (laughs) (laughs) you're sitting in there like you say i remember yeah doing the same thing not necessarily skipping school but i do remember sitting in like my friend's cars and stuff when a new album would come out and us being like oh my god what's your favorite track or you know what was your favorite song or then even sometimes too like i had friends where an album would come out and we would all three-way each other on the phone (laughs) and we played exactly at the same time and we would listen through the different songs on the cd just to um just to be able to get to school the next day to talk about the album like that would be our thing so oh my gosh like i'm like oh i feel like even calling taking, people yeah well yeah, yeah we don't do that anymore either yeah uh, <laughs> it's taking me even further back now i'm gonna like get really old when i was like really young like seven and eight mm-hmm. um and would watch mtv or listen to the radio and a new song would come out that you really like speaking of that tweet you mentioned there was i don't know if there's more than one but i i saw one about like how did people get uh you know if they just liked one song did they have to buy a whole album did they have to buy the whole album just to listen to one song like i mean to quote to quote beyonce from life is but a dream where she's like people don't make albums anymore which (laughs) people used to make yeah they would have like a single but they actually intended for you to buy the entire album yeah so they would try and create more of a 
helpful. They created, yeah, they created a feeling, a vibe. And not to cut you off, but thinking about like, so for instance, Tony Braxton's Secret album. Like, Mm. while You're Making Me High is one of my favorite songs off that album, there's still a whole bunch of album cuts on that album that made that album, the album. You know what I mean? So I feel even like, yeah. Okay. My other favorite, Janet Jackson, who I consider queen of the interludes on the, you know, like in the 90s and 2000s, all the albums would have those little skits and interludes Uh throughout them Mm -hmm. because it was part of like connecting or even think of like Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Right. Where you have those classic skit moments in between to connect the songs one from the other. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, people were, artists were making music differently too. So I guess it's not all on the the back of who's, you know, buying it. But now people aren't buying the whole album. They're just downloading a single if they like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used to, speaking of, did you have to buy the whole album? You could buy cassette singles or even CD singles later. But I used to like, when I was eight, hold the... Uh, a tape player up to the TV or another radio and like tape (laughs) the song, like try and record it onto a cassette tape as you're listening. So you had this even like grittier raspy, like you couldn't even hear it very well, but you're like jamming out to this cassette you've created um, because you don't have the three bucks or whatever, or you're like eight and I don't know, can't get to the record store. So (laughs) uh, you're recording it yourself. I remember that too. And like sitting around all day, just waiting for the song to come back on so that you could hit record and Mm -hmm. keep it. Yeah. I was notorious for recording music videos. That was my thing. Mm. I would wait around. Like, I would come home from school and wait around all day to record. And it used to make me, because, I mean, I remember a time when, like, and I, going back to TRL, like, I remember a time when TRL would play the entire video. Yeah. I remember when they stopped and it being like, why are you not playing the entire video? You're only paying, like... 45 seconds to a minute of the initial video. And I think that that's where we started to see as much as it was still very early 2000s when that happened, we were starting to see the tides change around creativity and and creativeness. And, And that reminds me too of like, you know, I was I had re- I had retweeted if you think buying an album for a song is crazy, you know, the the, the ways we used to like make mixtapes, right? Like mm. now you can download a song and you can make a playlist and send mm. it to somebody and if they have Spotify or if they have Apple Music, they can listen to that playlist all day, but making a playlist for somebody back in the day before even we could record digital DV like re- digital CDs, like yeah. you had to be intentional it was about like a project. How, it was, yeah, it was a, a project. A day-long project or yep. more. Yeah, it could be even longer. Like you had to intentionally, there were two options, right? It meant you having to switch out, having it meant having all of the cassettes, right? right. With the different, and then fast forwarding through to get to the song that you wanted to put <laughs> on the playlist and, and, and timing it in a very specific way to make sure that from that cut to the, to, from the beginning of the song to the end of the song, it actually made it onto the playlist. Now let's even yeah. talk about artists like Janet Jackson, who, when they did make cassettes had interludes that were run into other songs. So it also made it hard sometimes yeah. to make a playlist because you couldn't get it to the, it was just, it, you, you used to have to be like, it was work. It was work to make a playlist back in the day. Yeah, you needed like not like major DJ skills, but you needed like you had to some know. skills to cut yeah. things off at the right time to hit to time the side of the tape. Like you had a ninety minute or sixty minute cassette tape, you had to get yep. right up to as close as you could and like rearrange the songs, but yeah. not go over the thirty minutes. Oh yeah, it was. 
it I was mean, a lot of and work. it was fun too <laughs> yeah it was it was and you took i took so much pride in giving like especially in middle school i took so much pride in making playlists for like my friends even if it was like radio cuts where i was cutting yeah. you know songs from like the radio it was still one of those things where it was like wow you took the time to actually make me a playlist and so i think that that's something that as i get older kind of going back to that conversation um and, and that i think more about is when you were growing up it, things were more intentional, you know, and I think that that's one of the things as I get older that I, I tend to have a hard time with. Um, I am I'm very open about only being 33. And so I don't want to make this about me being like, I'm so old because I'm not. <laughs> but I think about, you know, when you say 20 years ago, 20 years ago, things were so much different. And we being a generation that is very instantaneous, like we want things automatically, we want it now. Yeah. Like you had to really go out of your way to do really anything or to, like if you wanted to show someone that you cared about them or if you wanted to do something in, re- in regards to like even buying someone something, right? Like us now, if you can't get something off Amazon, you can go to <laughs> eBay, you can go to all these other sites to look for it and say, oh, I'll get it in a week or so or I might even get it tomorrow because they have yeah. the one day. But if you went to a store and they didn't have something you wanted you had to wait until the next shipment came in um and you were out of luck if they just didn't have it um i think about like fighting for like even during christmas time uh toys right like certain toys growing up like if the store didn't have it the power rangers was a great example i grew up i'm a power ranger kid if the power if they didn't have the black or yellow power ranger you waited you know so yeah, yeah very interesting uh, the time it's yeah <laughs> time is i was about to like quote bob dylan or something <laughs> the times oh they are changing no i'm not i'm not that old jesus uh right. well no but i mean we're still getting older and i think that's the other thing that i've i've come to process in a lot of ways too is like even how i look at the world so even thinking about like we were just talking about this earlier like the amas were what a week ago and I, I sat through, and I know you said you didn't watch, but I know for me, like I had sat through them going, I don't know who any of these people are. Like most of the performances outside of maybe two or three of them. I know Sierra performed and then there was maybe one oh, other no, performer. Oh Sierra, how did she do? Was she okay? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is, uh, random, go I'm ahead, always, go ahead. I'm always rooting for her, but. Same. But it just, it never I don't know. Yeah, she's. I know she's on tour with Bruno Mars right now. Um, oh, did she fill in because Cardi B dropped out yeah, of that tour? Okay. Yeah, she stepped. Cardi B stepped back. Um, I know that Sierra jumped in. Okay. Um, I don't think you know. I, I'm. I'm kind of the same way. I feel so. I'm going to say this, and I'm. I mean this in the most loving way. I feel the same way about Sierra that I do about Little Mama. Okay. I do. I I genuinely do, and I say that in the sense of like. I don't know exactly like... what that means, but because <laughs> it could it could go a couple different directions. It's but... not shady. It's not shady by any means. I is talking about getting older because I know some people that might be young may be like, "Who in the hell is Little Mama?" <laughs> um, like I I feel the same way. Like I feel like they, they're. How do I put this? Because I don't, again, I don't want this coming across as messy. Because I already know a million people are probably going to be in my DMs about me making this comment. They're both amazing dancers. And I think that they both are very talented. However, <laughs> I I do believe that they, they, they've they made a lot of missteps in their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, that has led them to not be where they need to be. I think Fantasy Ride, was that the album? Ruined Sierra's career. Okay. Um, and I think... Little Mama jumping on the stage 
with mm. see again talking about getting older nobody will probably even know anything about that situation google so to it. our young you can just google it now you can't google find it, it on but youtube to our younger listeners little mama was a rapper who was really big back in the early 2000s she had a song called lip, lip gloss, gloss and yeah everybody loved that song i enjoyed it i was maybe what in my junior i think it was in my sophomore junior year of college when the song came out really cute song is a call and response kind of deal um but where she ruined it for herself was in 2008 when she jumped on the stage with alicia keys and jay-z during their new york performance and that was 2008 girl yes that was 2008 it, like it should be longer ago but <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, that happened in 2018. I mean, not 2018, sorry, 2008. Yeah, 2008. And, um, yeah, and it, 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 so again, missteps. And I think, and what I find so funny about that in particular situation, talking about a random tangent, but um, watching Beyonce, like, try to grab her, because she was sitting right next to Beyonce, like, Little Mama <laughs> was sitting right next to Beyonce. It was Taylor Swift, it was Beyonce, and it was Little Mama sitting right next to her. And as Little Mama was getting ready to walk up to the stage, you could see Beyonce reach over and pull her, like, girl, don't do don't this. Do You're ruining your career right now. You're gonna ruin yourself. And she did it anyway. And lo and behold, her whole entire career went up into the air. So, yeah. That's that on that. But anyway, I, um, Sierra, keep doing your thing, girl. But other otherwise, I feel like, yes, she did perform. But I say all that to say, um, I know, like, there's new artists like LMA, and there's a few other artists that are, are, like, out. And, like, even, what is it, this new pop group that I saw recently on TV? There's, like, five boys. And my husband was like, do you know who they are? And I just was like, no, I have no idea who they are. Um, I, yeah. I know there's the K-pop thing happening that everyone's into, but... Is this like another American, like a Backstreet Boys group type yeah. thing? Oh, yeah, I don't it's like know. a little, yeah, see, oh, same. Group so, of little boys singing. They're like, that, so. yeah, they're, they're five of them. And they're all really cute. They're all really cute in their own right. Um, They give us that young, in sync Backstreet Boys feel. But I just don't know who they are. And I think that, I don't know if it's a part of me going like, you know, you made a comment about how disconnected you feel from pop culture. I think that that's been a big thing for me is like, it feels like these days for me being a little bit older, like I have to actively go out of my way to engage in pop culture. When I was mm. growing up, I felt like pop culture was just something that I was immersed in. Like it felt mm. regular for me to know what Aaliyah was doing. It felt regular for me to know um, yeah. what drama was happening with TLC. You know, like it felt, these are all things that were normal for me. But now it's like, I'll be on Twitter and I'll see someone say, oh, this artist is having beef with this artist. And I'm like, who the fuck are they? Like, <laughs> I don't even know who they are. So. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what that is. I mean, maybe, maybe it is just a product of getting a little older. Maybe it's a product of, I mean, I know we're not trying to talk about politics, but maybe it's a product of like politics crossing over into reality TV. And so, yeah. and so we're now immersed more politically. And so some of the, pop aspects are shut out i don't know like because there are certain people that i'm still very you know caught up with on what they're doing in pop culture but like these new some of the new groups that come out not all of them but like watching one of those award shows with all the performances and i have no idea who most of them are but then i will know some random other things so it's not like i'm totally shut off it's just like it's weird that i guess it's i don't know all these 
and they all sound the same to me. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that that yeah. makes me feel like I'm getting old because I remember my parents being like, "What? How is this one? Di- how is this album different from that album? Who is this? Right. They sound just like that one." <laughs> so maybe it's I don't know, but I feel like the music is getting much more formulaic. Maybe it's always been. I don't know. Yeah, and I I think you bring up a really good point because it could be. I mean, I think about the New Jack Swing era or I think about even pop music from like the early 2000s. A lot of it was formulated. But mm-hmm. I think the way we consumed entertainment growing up as, you know, youth is way different than the way I feel like right. youth are consuming entertainment now. And I feel like too, because so many, so like being younger, I didn't, I, and I guess, you know, maybe this is because I maybe grew up in a bubble. I, again, we've talked about religion before and we've talked about the, you know, how we grew up because of it. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't privy to politics growing up because, mm-hmm. you know, again, being a Jehovah's Witness, you weren't supposed to engage in it. So the only even and we weren't even really supposed to be engaged in entertainment either. There were a lot of artists I was listening to that we were told not to listen to. Um, there were a lot of movies I went and saw that I was told that I shouldn't be watching. So yeah. for me, it became this this thing of like I didn't really know what was happening around me until I got old enough to like pull the you know kind of pull the veil back and say, oh crap, the world is terrible, and this is probably what they were trying to you know shield me from but i think now with social media and that's something that we again a luxury we didn't have growing up as a child everything is happening in real time in your face like something can happen and you know i'm just gonna randomly throw out a place istanbul right and even though they're hours and hours and hours away from us we're getting everything that's happening there in real time and so i think that that's one of the things that's hard about being an adult now is even for myself like i've been out and about and i have heard the way kids talk to their parents and i'm going oh my god like that would have never like i there was um i i was at disneyland the the other day and a kid said something to his parents and walked away and i looked at my husband and i was like how is he still alive (laughs) but i go like it's literally like the, the the tides have changed so much in how people parent, how the kids, how kids look at, you know, the, how they take in the world and how the adults, how folks like us, you know, are responding to the way that the quote unquote youth are taking things in. So that's just the thought that I have in regards to that. But I do know that like times are changing very rapidly, very quickly. Um, so I guess a question that I have for you uh, before we, before we move on to the next segment was, um, what i i've been asking this question because i always love to see like what people how people respond to it what was your first cell phone um do you remember i mean i don't uh, no i don't remember like oh my god i mean i remember i wasn't in college until i had a cell phone yeah i was in college too um but I don't remember like the model. Like it was big. I remember that. <laughs> it was a flip phone. It was definitely a flip phone, and it was big. Yeah. But I don't remember like, you know, it was before like the razor phone was big. It was before like so I don't remember what it was called or anything like that. Yeah. It was definitely smaller than like the Saved by the Bell cell phone where Zach yeah. Morris has that huge brick thing that looks my like... dad has that phone <laughs> it's definitely smaller than that one yeah but I, I, I don't remember like what the model was called or anything like that yeah I love asking people that question and just kind of like going back to the nostalgia of like the, the for me that was like knowing that the world was getting ready to change 
but not recognizing the magnitude of how the world was mm. getting ready to change. Cause like for me, like I remember I was on Sprint, I had this random flip phone, but I just remember, and I tell I people this too. too. Yeah. <laughs> like the way that like you, when you were like, I remember being in college and being so mad and like flipping my phone to close it and it would hang up on people. And that was like the most satisfying feeling in the world was to flip my phone closed to like yeah. end calls on people whereas now like when you press end on a call it doesn't give it's you the same satisfaction no you're like oh the conversation's over and i'm still upset but when i would close that flip phone and it would hang up because you would my phone made sounds when it flipped open and closed so it would go <laughs> like when it opened and it would go like when it closed so when i would flip it closed and it made that sound i was like yes bitch i closed the phone on you so it was just it, just a different time. There's that but video yeah. going around on Twitter too with the flip phone, right? And that guy's like, yeah. or, or and then they play it backwards so it looks like he's open, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But it is so like satisfying to like clip that <laughs> used to close it. phone yeah. shut and just be like over it. But that yeah, yeah and- that was like the huge change of because before you would have to be like, oh, I'll be here at this time or there yeah. at that time, and like you have to catch me there or. You leave a message at my on my home phone, and I call you back whenever. And now it's just like we're so constant. We're we're always available, mm-hmm. or expected to be um, to be available. Yeah. And that's really like the first big in this like avalanche of change, I guess. That yeah. If you yeah. if you started if you if you're born once cell phones kind of already took over, then it's like it's one of those shifts that you don't even realize is so huge. But yeah. Cause I was even, yeah, I was saying that to my husband, like my husband was saying when they, cause I'd asked him, I said, how did you now when we go places like, well, you know, we text and we coordinate and we let people know, like, you know, find my location and all that. But I'm going like back in like the early nineties, you know, early two thousands, you were SOL if you didn't follow directions well, you know, right. like, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have Siri to, to guide us. Like you had to open an actual map or you had to yeah. download, you had to have MapQuest or a computer yeah. to print MapQuest out on and get directions. Yeah. MapQuest, who even knows what the hell MapQuest is, right? Yeah. Ask Jeeves and all that. Um, But yeah, like you literally had to make arrangements with people to even make sure that you all could line up and be somewhere at the same time. It would be like if I'm I'm there at 130 and if you're not there, girl, I don't know what to tell you. Like it was it was a real big kind of like big question mark as to that. So, yeah, oh, my God, just times have changed so much. Um, I guess the last question I'll ask you, like, what has been the one thing that you feel like as you've gotten older that you've like started to understand or do you, you like Something that has <laughs> changed the way you, you view the world. Like, what has changed in terms of, like, you viewing the world as you've gotten older? Oh, my God. That's so deep. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, other than what has changed about the way I view the world. Because our world is changing so fast. I know, and it makes it yeah. hard to like figure. It makes it hard to pinpoint uh, an answer to that question. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know if it's changed that much, or everything's just gotten more immediate and like faster. Yeah. Um. Yeah. With access, what do you, what do you? How is you? How do you answer that? I think so. For me, as I've gotten older, is I think you know. I've, I've always said this, um, as I've gotten older, I started to recognize the, I I started to humanize people more. 
Um, and uh, when, like, cause when I was a kid, right, like I used to look at, so for instance, like even family, I'll use family as a great example. And, 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 and this is not in no way me throwing shade by any means, but, um, thinking about like when you grow up, you, you know, you love your grandparents, you love your grand, you know, you gr- love your grandmother's cooking and you love your uncle and your aunt because they're funny. And you know, you love all these people as coming up as a kid and, or even as a teenager, right? You see the problems around you in terms of life, but you've, you, for whatever reason, you've put these capes on people. Um, and you start to see the world is like, you know, this, you, the world's pretty fun when you're, uh, when you're like a middle schooler, <laughs> or when you're like, you know, between the ages of like 13, to 17 if you're not being teased or you're not having to deal with being bullied that's a whole nother conversation for a different day however (laughs) i guess my point becomes like as i've gotten older and i talk about humanizing people like i've started to notice the capes and the veils come off of people like i've started to recognize that they're another like whole ass person like me with like Mm. quips and and problems and issues and baggage and they're trying to make sense of their lived experience and so i've become a lot less like i i guess i started to recognize as i've met as i've as i've begun to like meet people or create relationships with folks like you're just another person trying to navigate through a struggle just like me and you've had your own experience and your own lived experience that might have also been a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes like, I'm doing the best that I can to try to try, try to, you know, allow people the space to just be human. And so I think that that's the one thing as I've gotten older and that I'm trying to hold with me as I get older is to just remind myself that they have the right to be they have the right to you know to to be their full selves and to bring their full selves to whatever relationship or connection or or moment that we have together so um that's what i have is there anything that you would like to that you wanted to add is there something that you've recognized as you've gotten older i mean i guess i guess i would say like when i was young i was now this is going to sound depressing but i i was more not that I'm not idealistic now, but I was more like, uh, I, I still am like, burn it all down. The system sucks, whatever. But like, there also has to be, when I was young, I would just be like, just do it. Who cares? Don't vote, vote for this person, like whatever. Um, and now I think I'm more practical in not giving up what I believe, but like knowing that there has to be a plan to get it. And sometimes that takes more compromise than you want it to not to say compromise with like the enemy, but (laughs) I don't know, just thinking about like the last election and what got us here and how it could have all been so different if the democratic side wasn't so split between things. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I've learned that sometimes there has to be, more like ideals are great but you also have to have a plan to get them and sometimes I feel like the folks on certain sides that are just like burn it all down you know revolution okay but (laughs) then what happens like we have to have a plan yeah um yeah so I guess it's just like getting older thinking that you know things have to kind of connect to each other more i guess see different seeing different connections i don't know um but it's like a weird because sometimes i feel like oh am i am i giving up on some ideal by 
you know, saying you should have voted for Hillary Clinton or da 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 da, or am I like I don't know? It's a weird back and forth that I have all the time. It's like this weird disillusioned feeling I have um, as I get older, but also because I feel like the system might be tricking me in some ways that I'm like not catching now, but also seeing different connections that I wouldn't have seen as a young kid just being like, we gotta, we gotta do this. We gotta do that. I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm just rambling. No, I don't think, I I don't think you're rambling. I think, you know, that's the, I guess kind of the takeaway for this week's episode, you know, or in in terms of us talking about the ups and downs of getting older. I think as you get older, the reality of you getting older kind of hits you and, and, and having to be more tactical about, Mm all the things that you do like when you're when you're a teenager things don't really matter yeah. like i mean and I, I don't say that to be like you know you're a teenager so let's excuse how silly you are um i think a great example of that is you know kind of what's been happening with uh w- the the guy brother nature on twitter i don't know if you've been following that but following what happened with him you know folks going through his tweets and basically you know saying well he tweeted this when he was you know back in 2012 well he was a teenager right like when mm-hmm. you're a teenager your mind is t- at a totally different place than where your mind is as an adult and so like even for me i laugh about getting older because like i know for myself friends will invite me to things and the first question i ask them is is how long is it <laughs> or how late is it going till like if if, if it start like I, I tweeted this the other day if your event starts you know after seven o'clock and it and it goes till two three in the morning don't expect me to come i'm not gonna be there until two three in the morning for an event like i just it's just just not me anymore mm-hmm. like when i was younger that was fun but as an adult now like if i'm not in bed by 10 30 11 o'clock i'm grouchy um and so i think about that right like when you're a teenager things don't matter as much but i think now as an adult um things for me just life makes more sense like things in life tend like i'm more practical about the decisions i make or about the things that i do or about who i do things with because i'm ultimately always thinking about like as an adult i don't have the luxury to kind of fall back on oh well you still have 15 20 30 more years to live to learn you know Mm -hmm. so i guess just maybe the growth piece is a big thing that i've learned but yeah (laughs) so so that's that on that. So we are going to move on to the um, to the office hour section of the of the talk this week. And um, I wanted to necessarily kind of use the space. I've gotten a few questions. A lot of folks are not emailing us, <laughs> but I've gotten folks who have inboxed me or have commented on statuses on different things. And the question that we got this week is, uh, or the question we've, I've been getting this week is how do you become a writer um, or how do you get placed or how do you get your pitches picked up? And so um, wanting to take a quick moment to kind of just, you know, give people like a quick two second kind of like, not two second, but like two minute <laughs> rundown of like, what you could learn from us as folks who have both been published or have been writing. So I know, Kevin, you have a book getting ready to come out. (laughs) Is there anything um, that you'd like to tell our listeners about, you know, what they need to know about becoming a published writer? I mean, of course, it depends on like what you're trying to write. Uh, So my experience is in kind of, nonfiction pop culture well I mean some is like more personal too but um it depends on what 
you know, like genre and what you're trying to get into. For me with the book, it what it it just felt like a crapshoot, really. Um, which I say to say, like, don't be discouraged because <laughs> it's not easy. Um, it's like a lot of emailing people and uh, working on sample material. Um, a book proposal is a whole other thing, like that you could have a whole episode telling people how to work on a book proposal or write a book proposal. Um, different than just like pitching an article. Um, but once you have that, yeah. it's a lot of kind of, it's like a crapshoot sending out to people, <laughs> sending out to a lot of people, not hearing back from anyone, following up, um, looking, you know, researching for whether you're looking for an agent or a publisher or both, you know, there's two different things you have to look for. Uh, I got right. I got this book without an agent, so um, it was me just submitting it, you know, like like a um, unsolicited submission. Uh, it's like checking with the people you know to get connections to ask who you can email and who you, who runs uh, who runs the who's the editor at this place and that place and um, reaching out and sometimes it's just like reaching out and saying hello and getting a relationship like that first before pitching too. Cause then it makes it a lot easier. Um, I, I don't know that that's like any kind of one, two, three, this is how you do it, <laughs> but it's, I don't think there's any actual one way to do it. It's just like a lot of putting yourself out there and a lot of, getting rejected too which sucks <laughs> a lot of no a lot of no or just yeah, a lot of I, nothing like not even a no sometimes a no feels better than just not hearing back but um right it's a lot of both of those things yeah yeah it's i think that that's the number one thing i i wish people would have told me when i first kind of you know trekked out into this journey of being a, you know, a writer slash storyteller is that not everybody wants your story mm. <laughs> or not everybody understands or feels the need to, 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 to place your story. And so I think um, it can become very disheartening when you feel like you really want to tell your story or you really have really good thoughts and you put them down on paper and you send them out you cold you know you cold email that's a lot of writing as a whole i think whether it's for a book or whether it's for an art uh, for a for a outlet <clears throat> or even a magazine for that matter is a lot of cold emailing of mm. people you have no idea who they are they have no idea who you are and you're basically saying i have this thought or i have this idea please you know publish it and sometimes they'll say sure we love your idea and we think it's great but most of the time they have a million other things that are on their plate in terms of them being editors or being writers the last thing that they're worried about is your story taking up space in the in the trajectory of things that they have to do so mm -hmm. i i wish again i wish somebody would have been able to, would would have sat down with me and said okay girl like these are the things you need to know about being a writer and a lot of the things that i've gotten has been a lot of trial by error um there was an article that someone had pit, uh, had published in one of the groups that I follow on Facebook and they were ultimately saying like the number one best piece of advice for anybody who's listening to this that wants to be a writer or wants to get published more or wants to be you know wants the bylines right because I think that's the big the number one thing for a lot of people who are trying to run out the gate is you'll have somebody who'll say you know oh my god how did you get placed in Teen Vogue or how did you get placed in The Root or how did you get placed you know in Essence or whatever like even for you right like you've been pub you've been 
published on NBC several times. Like you have, the, the bylines are cool, but you have to have like, a, it's going to take some time mm-hmm. to get to a place where you have a really big byline. And so like right now, my biggest byline is Slate. Slate has over a million people on Twitter that follow them and read their stuff and, 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 and engage with their things. It took me two years to get to a place where I could have an article published with Slate. And it took a lot of trial and error and it took a lot of no's for me to get to a place where I would have an article placed in such a big outlet. So um, I think that's my number one big piece of advice. Find someone who can help you get your pitches together. Uh, Be okay with no and knowing that no is going to be something you hear a lot or not hearing a response at all. And don't internalize it. You know, continue to keep looking for ways to tell your story and eventually you'll place it in the place that you really want to place it. Yeah. And that... I guess just adding a little bit to that, another thing to keep in mind, which is something I can never keep in mind because I I do, and I'll use myself as an example just to say, like, it's one thing to know that you shouldn't internalize it and another thing to actually practice that because I still, right. you know, if I don't hear back, I'm like, oh my God, it was such a stupid idea that I had. Why did I even... <laughs> why did I even think anyone would right. want that? And it doesn't mean just because you don't hear or or because you hear no doesn't mean it was a bad idea or there was anything wrong with it. It just means it's not right at that moment for especially how the news cycle works now. If you're writing about anything kind of tied to happenings going the you know things that are going on if you don't get it out within the right time it's no longer useful or something this is what people editors and and publications might be thinking not that the article necessarily isn't useful but so those can all be reasons it doesn't have anything to do with the quality of your idea or the quality of your writing you have to look for the best i mean i heard some i heard a lot of feedback about you, criticism about my book proposal like it's too academic it's not academic enough i heard both of those things like obviously both of those things can't be true together so they're kind of subjective to whoever's saying them and then finally after a long time i mean i was working for i don't even know how long but it was over a year um on the proposal and then more months and months and months sending it to people and getting feedback and um, it's just about finding the the exact right person because when I did, you know, the people at the press that I'm with are like, we love this. We see why it's important. Um, of course, of course, they had notes and we've worked on all this other stuff, but they that was the right place for the book. Um, and it's the same with an article. Like you have to find the very right. You might want it to be at Teen Vogue, but it might belong somewhere else more. Um, and so being open to that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and also in that, also being open in your own mind to know that sometimes you're, you know, uh, there are a lot of people that are getting placed and that doesn't necessarily make them a good writer. It's right. just, they have the right connections and they know the right people to get them placed. I will say that for myself. There have been articles that I've written and I've looked back at them and gone, whoo, chow, why did they okay this? But it was because I had a really good relationship with the editor or I had a really good relationship with the the people who were managing, you know, the site at the time. And so I, I think about that a lot. Just because you see people getting placed everywhere doesn't 
does not necessarily make them a great writer, but it also doesn't mean that they're a terrible writer either. And the same thing for you, just because your pitches are not getting picked up doesn't mean that you're a terrible writer. It might just mean that you haven't made the, the correct, you know, connection or the correct relationship, you know, with, with whatever, you know, organization or outlet that you're trying to get placed in. Um, and you may want to finesse that a little bit. So I, I think about that, you know, both me and Kevin um, have given you a lot of, have given our listeners a lot of um, just quips and quick things. I, I would say to finding Facebook groups that are focused on writing and helping you become a better writer is a great way. I know that that's helped me a lot. And then also finding people who want to read your stuff before you submit it. If you have a pitch and you really want someone, you really want to get a place in a certain location, having someone, you know, who might be a really good writer or may even have the bylines that you may want. Um, I have a friend that I'm going to shout out my friend, Matt, who I sent a lot of my stuff to at into, um, love you, Matt. Thank you so much again for everything you do for me, but I send a lot of my articles to Matt and I get feedback on either pitches or articles and Matt will say, I think this is great. Or I don't think that this is something you should focus on, or this is missing something. So I, I would say that like finding yourself, somebody who can truly help you on your journey that will look out for you and your best interest, but will also help elevate your voice as well is, is, is the advice that I'd give those who are looking to do more writing. So, um, okay. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add, Kevin, before we move on? No, I don't think so. Yay. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we're going to go ahead and move to the last segment of the episode. Um, recess. So what is on your mind, Kevin? Well, I just need, this is connected to reality TV and the crossover with politics, but I need Kim Kardashian and Kanye West to stop acting like politicians <laughs> or stop trying to advocate <laughs> for, I don't know, they were in Uganda, like, talking to the... Uh, I, and I think in Uganda they were like, so what is your job to Kim Kardashian? Like, why are you there? Why are you... <laughs> but but I, at the same time, we can't. I can't even really fault them because the... This, the president is sending his daughter everywhere and like why is she anywhere she has no skills or anything like I guess maybe in business but I don't even know if she's that successful technically with her businesses and clothing line but <laughs> why is Kim Kardashian being an envoy to the to foreign countries and why are they advocating for prison reform I mean it's great if that's an issue they care about um yeah but I don't really see it as that. I see it as one of their publicity stunts, and the whole Kanye West thing in the, in the in the White House is a. They're connected because they're this like trying to be this wannabe political power couple. I don't know, but there's also something really, and I'm not trying to stigmatize anything about mental illness, but I do believe that Kanye is not well, and someone needs to help him seriously um and i think that starts with like not letting him do make those appearances because that was i didn't even watch him in the white house but it i saw clips afterwards and it was it was really difficult to watch and he's being used by the president by uh, by the whole administration as like see black people love us because kanye says this and I don't know. Maybe one day he's going to, maybe he won't. Maybe he's just, you know, it could be all these other issues as well, but there's, there is something there. It's clear from watching the way he 
acted in just those clips that he's not well. And um, that part makes me sad, but I also, like, it's hard to have sympathy at the same time because he's fucking things up so bad. Um, right. So I just, th- I don't know, that, that them... And there's probably going to be more people like that now as it just goes on and on. And I just want that trend to stop. Right. Yeah. I, I had shared this with you earlier. I said, uh, <clears throat> I it's I shared that someone on my Facebook had noted that mm. Kanye West and Kim Kardashian are doing the same thing. They're basically trying to become the Beyonce and um, Jay-Z of, you know, the Obama era because Obama actually called him. I think Obama called him a jackass at one point. Oh, Kanye, so yeah, I he think, did. Yeah. So at one point, I guess Obama had referred to Kanye West as a jackass. And I think that that's been the biggest push for them to kind of keep positing themselves in like politics and different spaces is they're trying to get the same clout and I'm just going girl like first sit down have a seat nobody cares about you or your wife um but at the same time I also feel like it's it's really sad that you know there's something to be said and we can we can look at this or we can talk about this on a different day but I I I get frustrated because I go as soon as uh, uh, like a white artist goes off the deep end, everyone's running to the aid mm. them. Like everyone's wanting to help them and everyone's wanting to, what is wrong with him? Let's get them the help that they need. Let's help them. They're crazy or you know, quote unquote. You know, again, and this is, you know, I'm not calling them crazy, but I'm saying yeah. like, that's the rhetoric that's being created around them. But when a black artist is ultimately screaming out for like mental health, it's kind of like, oh, don't really say anything about it. Don't stigmatize him. Leave him alone. Let him do his thing. And so I just, I, I just want to know when black artists are going to actually get the care and the, the and that's why I, I wrote an article about that last week about you know entertainment as a whole how we how we need to have more conversations around black men getting the help that they need like this is bigger than Kanye this is bigger than you know Kim K mm-hmm. this man is falling apart in front of our eyes and nobody's wanting to do anything about it so it's, it's just frustrating yeah but um yeah um so I guess this week um my um yeah. Um this week I am going to be talking a little bit about this this trend that I wish would die. Um <laughs> the whole indie sound that um was created. So I don't know if any of you know what that sound is, but it's that I, I don't really know how to Kevin, how would you like describe that sound? Um It's like overly <sighs> precious, enunciated overly enunciated almost <laughs> i don't know yeah it's you were doing a good example of it <laughs> yeah it's, it's like it's when people like nah, nah, like when you sing like a, not necessarily a baby i think scissor does it right like when you when you don't enunciate and i ariana ariana grande is not necessarily notorious for this but i think like artists like halsey and i think about um who else is another one like it used to be like i said it was very popular in like 2013 2014 with people being like i can't in my key like all of that sound i need that sound to it makes die. me think of um and I, ingrid michelson do you remember her yes it's yes. it's like her sound right like this the this kind of, similar, or, similar or like even baby voiced it's like yeah ugh, i don't and men do it too there are male yeah. artists who do it and there are female artists who do it and i just want that sound to die like i just it's so <laughs> old and it is so annoying and it's like 
if you know and maybe this is again me getting older and me going back to a time when people actually enunciated and sang like even the worst singers you still understood like granted janet you know she would kind of baby voice you know at moments and then you had britney who would often do it too but it didn't it wasn't like it was their voice it was their sound it was something that we knew from both of them these are like literally like I always tell my husband, like I'll be listening to like either like XM radio or I'll be listening to like the radio, you know, just in passing. And I can't even tell anybody from anybody anymore because they all sound the same. They all sound like that baby voiced. Oh, so like indie, indie, like stop it. It is not cute anymore. And I just want artists to like, I want producers specifically the people who, produce and arrange and do all of that stuff in the like, stop having artists do it it's not cute anymore i don't like it um <laughs> it, it, it really annoys me um and i don't know why it bugs me but i just felt the need to really say like i'm just ready for that fad to die out i am very very much ready for us to get back i just want to get back to a place where people sang because they felt it like, I, I feel like music and specifically singing these days are just, it's a job for people. Yeah. It's not something that people are passionate about. And I feel like going into a studio and emulating that voice is a great example of you not being there for the music, you being there for the check. I just hmm. really want artists to go back to actually singing. I just do. Yeah, it feels I disingenuous. Very disingenuous. It, it doesn't feel emotion. It feels affected, not like emotionally connected to the music. Which is yeah. not to say, I mean, I'm I'm sure some artist maybe is really, but it just feels forced or something. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's just, and it's just, like I said, it's like we're five years out and we still have people playing that stupid, like, and it, what I guess the thing that really drives me nuts is like, I'm seeing the same thing happen over and over. So you get the carbon cut guy or, and then let's name, let's name it. You get the carbon cut white guy or the carbon cut white girl who stands in front of a microphone with a ukulele and they <laughs> sing like, like you, you, they're basically just mouthing a whole bunch of words. And it's like, why are you here? Like, if you're not here for the passion, like even on the voice, like I'm so happy the clips that I've been watching from the voice, like I'm not a fan of the voice. I don't really care about anybody who's on the panel. Maybe Kelly Clarkson gets a little bit of a of like, yeah, that girl can sing yeah. outside of Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson can sing, but she screams at you. And that's what makes me not a J-Hud fan. Yeah. Um, the other two of them, I just don't know why they're there. But I say all of that to say what at least with the voice, what I'm loving this season is that they are leaning into the people who sing from their diaphragm and sing from like they actually hit notes. But like this whole, like, I'm just like the, the last season of American Idol was a great example. Like literally eight out of the 12 people that got picked up all sounded the same and they all had that stupid baby voice <laughs> and I just want it to die. Like, so I'm just, I, if, so I'm saying this, if you have a friend who is an indie singer, um, who is doing these, you know, uh, what do they call them? The open mics where uh. they, they stand and they get to tell, you know, show people their talent when you see them leaning into that baby voice, please like elbow them and tell them to stop because it's, it's over. Like we just, need, I just need that to go away. It's over. So that's my gripe for this. Week. Okay. I can, Sorry. I can support that. I'm just very much over it. Um, okay. So <laughs> just, I just, I don't know why it bugs me so much. Kevin, it I'm going to really hear it everywhere now, everywhere I go. All yeah. I'm going to hear is that now. <laughs> 
Like it's the who was it? Oh God, there was a band that um oh gosh that that song uh where well was it? um I hear the song playing in my head. Da, 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 da. It's a song where they're talking about no place. It's not no place I'd rather be, but they're talking about going different miles to see one another. And there's like a girl and a guy singing it. And they're talking about getting, finding each other. I wish I knew the name of the song, but it's a great example of the sound that I am so tired of hearing. (laughs) It came out, I think in 2014. And every time I hear that song, I literally want to like clench my ears because my ears bleed every time I hear that stupid song. So anyway, it's just the thing. I just really wanted to go away. Um, but anyway, moving on, because this will get too long. Do you have any announcements you want to share with our listeners, Kevin? Well, other than the book, I I teased at the beginning. Um, no, I, I, I put mine out early. What about you? Yeah. Um, so, I, again, I'm, I hit the road again Friday, starting Friday. Um, I'll be in uh, Seattle for a conference, the Queer I Am conference. It's not in Seattle. It's actually in Olympia. Um, but it's I'm, I will be out in the, the Washington area uh, this weekend. Uh, following that, I'll be in a couple of other places. I'll be in uh, Pennsylvania. I'll be at James Madison and then also at uh, William and Mary's College. So if you're in any of those areas and you're listening and and you're excited and wanting to connect and meet uh, prior to either me getting there or, you know, wanting to hang out while I'm there, feel free to reach out to me on social media. Um, There are some other really cool, so kind of throwing this out there too. I had a chance to talk with Glow from uh, travel, uh, from, um, from uh, her, her whole brand. She's a travel writer. Um, Mm. She's a black woman who's a travel writer. And I had a chance to chat with her last week and I wanted to kind of like, preface this by saying like I think that there are so many amazing black artists and and creators and influencers out there that are doing some really really dope things um so outside of speaking with her and her talking about her journey um as a travel writer I can't wait for that article to come out that'll be coming out but I also wanted to shout out a friend of mine's uh company um, I have a friend who does something called the Youth Act. Uh, she, it's the Youth Mentoring Project here in the the Inland Empire, you know, South uh, uh, SoCal area, Southern California area. Um, and her name is Tori, you know, and 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 what I love about the work that she's doing with the Youth Mentoring Network, um, Youth Mentoring Network Project, is she is ultimately working with so many uh, young kids, black kids, inner city kids, queer kids, and really helping them find their voices in terms of not only getting to college, but doing work. So um, I just wanted to say all of that to say, I wanted to shout out Tori, wanted to shout out Glow, and just ultimately wanted to say there's so many great influencers and creators out there. And I'm hope if, if you if you are one and you're listening and you really want us to shout you out and the work that you're doing, feel free to email us. What's our email, Kevin? Asklearnt at gmail.com. Yes. So if you want to shout out the work you're doing, if you know of anybody doing some great work, um, I think that this is a great way for both of us to use our platform to elevate people who are out there grinding just like we are. Um, But yeah, this week, I just felt the need to really just shout that out and just say like, hey, you know, we're doing great work. We see other people doing great work and we see you and and love and support you. So cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, but yeah, so that wraps up another episode of Alert. And if you, again, feel free to reach out to us via email, find us all on social media at Ask Learnt. Uh, you can find us also by visiting our website at www.asklearnt, or no, no. sorry, www.learntpodcast.com. 
Sorry, girl. Talking a mile a minute. But yes, that that again is www.learntpodcast.com. And until next time, we will see you on the flip side. No, you're not gonna get what you need. Baby, you have what you Come get your honey. Thank you.